welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Uh, real answer? You don't want the real answer. I do not want the no, real answer. then I'm doing great. We are recording this on a Thursday night with this week, which means this week, uh, not great things. Yep. Uh, things that we're going to have to actively ignore or address. Uh, we don't really have much of a, much of a topic today, which is appropriate given our guest. But let's first get yeah, these bills paid. Absolutely. Gotta keep these lights on in here. Indeed. So, okay, this episode is brought to you by MUBI, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, MUBI's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. There's a lot of great stuff showing on MUBI right now, including... Stephen Fears' The Grifters, which is a film that uh, David, you and I both really enjoy. With Angelica. I've never seen The Grifters. I thought, I thought we watched it together. No. Oh, I I've, guess I've I'm thinking of somebody it. else. Oh, David, you would love The Grifters. Uh, I think it's amazing. It's got uh, Angelica Houston and Annette Bening and John Cusack. And it is just uh, it's a nice little con movie with a, with a, nice, with a side of incest, by the way. Um, and it's, uh, no, I'm sold. yeah, I know how much that's a, a pet theme of yours. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's a marvelous film. Uh, and then also now there are three directors here, Morris Engel, Ray Ashley, and Ruth Orkin directed a film called little fugitive, which I reviewed for the site a while ago. Yeah, and it that. is absolutely wonderful. I love it so much. A lot of people considered it uh, a precursor to certain, uh, French new wave, uh, style, uh, stylistic decisions. Um, and then lastly, in honor of the recently passed uh, Abbas Kiarostami, uh, movie is showing 10, uh, the director's modern experimental masterpiece. Now, I've actually not seen 10. I've not seen 10 either. It's, on, it's literally, like, sometimes I say it's on the list as a way of saying yeah. I plan to see it today, but it's literally on my, like, to-watch list. Yeah, I've seen three of his movies. Um, I saw Close Up, which is astonishing. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Mm. It's I can't speak enough about it. I saw Certified Copy, which I also loved, and then Like Someone in Love, which... I, Which I loved. I liked it a lot. I, th- I think I need to watch it again. But Nothing it's wrong just, with that. The stuff that he explores is really fascinating. Uh, the three that I happened to watch, uh, definitely close up and, uh, and um, certified copy are really kind of exploring identity and such. And I know a lot of, I'll say this, I haven't seen 10. I know a lot of people that have and absolutely love it. A lot of people say it's his best film. Um, so yeah, that is showing at MUBI right now. And there is also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try MUBI free for one month. Just go to MUBI.com, that's M-U-B-I.com slash Battleship to redeem now. And I would like to tell you about another sponsor, um, a sponsor that our guest knows a great deal about. Uh, I want you to head over to tweakedaudio.com, where you'll find professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors, and they look great and sound great, and we use them all the time. Uh, we, we're, we're not just endorsing them. We are, we, uh, we're also a client. We also are clients of Tweaked. Um, and if you use the uh, – these are available at a low, low price to begin with, but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you'll get one third off that low low price and there's no shipping charges so uh go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking what's your secret begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 bite clear aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, 
accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler. Yes? Who is our guest who knows so much about Tweaked Audio? Well, it's, a, it's interesting because uh, when we were first approached by Tweaked, I was a little, a little skeptical to embrace them. And so I had to reach out to uh, a famous, well-known, well-established podcaster. And he said, absolutely go with them. It'll be the best decision you ever made. Uh, maybe even more than, uh, marrying Jen or starting a podcast at all, because apparently I equate those two. Uh, and, uh, so this man, the guy who you, the listener can blame for the years of tweaked talk is Mike Schmidt. Mike, how you doing? I'm good. Thank That's you very much. That's the intro I chose to give you. I appreciate it. I'm, uh, you equated your marriage with doing this nonsense. <laughs> three, three people with a microphone in a movie room. Good for you. I'm sure Jen is thrilled. And then movie, I, you know, I did not see 10 either. However, I saw one through nine, and they were terrific. <laughs> check those out. Really good stuff. Also available at Mubi.com. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there are movies called... One, two, three. I know there's a nine. There's a couple of nines. Yeah. Right? I actually just there's rewatched seven. There's seven? There's yeah. a musical nine. I've, I've seen seven. There is a nine as well. Yeah. But there was also the animated nine. Uh, uh, true. And let's uh, not forget nine and a half. Uh-huh. Nine and a half weeks. Sorry, at nine and a half weeks, there's an eight and a half. Eight Pardon and me half. is what I'm thinking yeah. of. Uh, and then there's actually an, a different ten. Uh, right, with, the David uh, Wayne movie. Oh, that's the 10. Oh, that's the 10. No, there's 10 with, I think it's Bo Derek. Oh, it right? is. N- I think it's Numeric. Bo Derek. Kill yourself. Really? <laughs> oh, jeez. I are, think it's Bo Derek. We are of a different generation. I think it's so Bo what? Derek. But you're all movie dudes who've watched Japanese Joe's fucking nine films. That's I mean, true. seriously. <laughs> Equate yourselves with the body of work of a Bo Derek. Equate yeah. yourselves with a Tarzan with her being like washed by, uh, by natives naked <laughs> and going, they're painting me. They're painting me all white. You have to see the scene. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> Sounds great. I, 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 my go-to, when I think of Bo Derek, I think of Tommy Boy first. Yeah. Oh, grim. Yeah. No. At which point, uh, Tommy does say that she's like a 10. Yeah. So oh, clearly. Well, you got to watch Tarzan because she's like, she gets totally naked and these, and these natives are washing her literally. And she's, she's like whining about it, but you get to watch it happen. And then they're, and, and it's, and it's very reminiscent of, uh, Kathy shower in the perils of, of Gwendolyn and the land of the yik yak, which is another great show <laughs> where a girl is getting washed by natives. I love it. <laughs> All right. I spent a lot of time jerking off to those films. Hi, how are you? <laughs> All right. I mean, it's been a while since Mike has been on the show. I forgot. Yeah. Uh, how enjoy the, uh, enjoyable case, this is. T- I'm going to save you 10, 11 bucks. Uh, in the new Legend of Tarzan, Margot Robbie does not get washed by Nathan. What? Just so you know. That's Christophe Waltz does, though. <laughs> yeah, Christophe Waltz. I'm in. <laughs> I don't care. Done. As long as he's saying dialogue. What about time. Harambe? Did they wash Harambe? <laughs> is that the... That's the, that? the murdered gorilla. That's the gorilla oh, that took a lead salad in Cincinnati. Uh, <laughs> adios gorilla take that <laughs> so yeah so I, all right well then i watch i'm in i'll see vaults get a little sponge bath why not why wouldn't you do that boy oh boy so mike how have you been i'm good man i'm doing yeah. okay thank you yeah just uh uh my knee hurts i don't know what the hell that means i haven't seen any movies i like this is a weird thing to have me here for this i know i was the last minute guest literally got a text at like 9 30 last night what are you doing I texted um, you several days ago. You responded in, at 9.30 last <laughs> night. Well, that's uh, tit for tat, but still. Uh, so, yeah, so this summer, because, I mean, this summer is blown. I mean, uh, seriously, I don't, I mean, you guys obviously have talked about the movies, and I can't, I don't want to be that guy. Well, only because uh, I've seen them. I have, I have. Oh, you haven't either? I have skipped all of the Co-host of summer. movie podcasts? Good for you. Why, why, why not? What are you doing? 
Uh, I think I'm to, well, I'm living up to the title of the film and I'm seeing or title of the podcast. And oh, I'm seeing, I see. you know, art house stuff. Oh, well, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm, well, I, then there's not that much that I'm excited about this summer. I'm not even that excited for Jason Bourne, but I've never been excited for a Jason Bourne film. And then I always enjoy them. They're great. So I'm, I'm wrong. Unless what's his name's in it. Jeremy, yeah. whatever the hell. What is that one called? The Born Legacy. Born Legacy. That's yeah. right. And, yeah, that uh, went away. We're, we're, yeah, it literally, we've all forgotten. I think it's called yeah. the Born Y. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Born Misfire. I think it's just the Born, and then it's just like an ellipsis. <laughs> like it just trails yep, off. The Born, uh, man. The, the uh, born Loser. <laughs> yeah, I was also not... I was not excited about the new Jason Bourne movie because I felt like I love those first three so much that yes. I kind of felt like, why are you messing with it? Cause but, then, but you've got to trust them because they've not let you down yet. I mean, the, yeah. the first three were really great that's, and he's good. He's it's Matt Damon. He's great. And that's, and I saw the, the trailer with him plowing through cars on Las Vegas Boulevard. Yep. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm yeah, seeing done. this obviously. Yeah. Hey, but, but, and just, this means nothing to what we're talking about, but just cause you mentioned Las Vegas, I thought of it. Did you see they're rebooting Ocean's Eleven, but oh. with all chicks? Yeah. And I mean, uh, okay. <laughs> I, I, you, just, you just don't have to. You don't have to. I understand why you're gonna or whatever. And I yeah. mean, if we get to watch Aubrey Plaza be funny and, and good for her. And all those people are all very talented, I'm yeah. sure. But I, I, I just don't know why. why. Get the other guys make, together and make an Ocean's 14. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that, you can do it. You don't need, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't I, need. I would rather they didn't do either of those things you got vagina uh, in my wisecracks no you got wisecracks in my <laughs> vagina not interested uh so you're on the women aren't funny train no absolutely not no that's the, it's just that this is unnecessary the, the ghostbusters thing i mean i guess we'll talk about that why sure. not um I'm, I'm not going to see it not because it's ladies but because i saw the first ghostbusters and i loved it and that's all i need i needed to see i don't think this needed i'm anti-reboot I, you, right, you, right, any yeah. any reboot you do and you start throwing i mean the fact they won me over with the spider-man in the in civil war because honestly i haven't seen a spider-man since uh since three mm-hmm. you know with with uh, toby and i and because i mean once he's doing the emo dance down the goddamn street and all that yeah. now i went i'm out i can't do this because they screwed it up and they they screwed scam sam raimi because there was the writer strike but but constantly putting him back in high school, it, 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 it does, it's not good for anybody. There are so many other storylines you can explore as he gets older, but then I see the kid in Civil War, and yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm fucking back in. I mean, I gotta be. Well, and, that, and that's the thing is he's, he's really in high school then. Like, yeah. that kid is 14, 15, as opposed to Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, they looked like they're in there. J- they just, they didn't register as being in high school to no, me. No, they had that Luke like, oh, Perry okay. 90210 thing <laughs> happening. The, hey, who's that 47-year-old man who's sitting on my daughter? Uh, but this kid really did, really does uh, seem like... And he was great. Like, he, like he's out, like he could seem like he's out of his depth yeah. as far as fighting. But the performance is great. I really yeah, liked it. Was it was really I'm, good. I'm excited. So I guess I'm, I'm anti-reboot. But I, and I, 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 I'm with you on that. I also have no um, There was no need to do a no because I mean, Other than Aykroyd wanting desperately to do no Ghostbusters because of the, you know, to pad his coffers, to control his legacy. I don't, I don't know why. Because they've been trying to do it with Farley and they had all these different guys. And there was an all black one they were talking about for a while. And because uh, they kept looking for that hook and that gimmick. And then they finally found it with the women. And then Melissa McCarthy is such a star that she was able to bend and Kristen Wiig too. Yeah. You're like, you can get them in there and it's fine. It's box office. It's gold. Cause they have enough track record. I, I just am not, 
like I said, it's not even, it has nothing to do with women. It's, it's just, I don't understand why you need to reboot that film. Because it, again, and I, it's funny, I'm seeing, now I'm seeing all this revisionist history about, well, you know, it's not really that funny anyway. I mean, if you watch it, it's pretty terrible. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I have uh, not heard that. I, that's just that? social media nonsense. I've, I've, okay. I've you know. that. I also really? haven't, I haven't seen Ghostbusters since I was a kid, uh, so I can't really holds up. stand by I'll it. say it holds To up. me it does. I, but again, that's just me. That's wheelhouse for me. And also it brings me back to that time period. I mean, I just, I watched the re-release, the 20th anniversary in 2014. I went to the Arclight and watched it on the giant screen and I and brought my girlfriend who'd never seen it. It was, oh, it wow. was gorgeous. It did was she, so great. Did she respond to it? Yeah, she liked okay. it very much. Um, now, the, let's let's set aside the fact that it's a reboot and let's uh, let's get pretentious with it. Sure. From an auteurist point of view. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. I have liked Paul Feig as a director and yes. I think he's gotten progressively better. I know some people love Bridesmaids. I think Bridesmaids is just okay. I think The Heat's better and I think Spy is fucking amazing. I love Spy. And so from that point of view, I am actually kind of excited as if I forget that it's a reboot, if I just think Paul Feig has a new movie out and he's done nothing but make funny movies, uh, plus Unaccompanied Minors, which I never saw. Right. Uh, does that interest you at all? So if you just were saying it was just a, a rootin' tootin' science fiction ghost fighting film with some ladies involved? It, yeah, and directed by Paul Feig. Well, that, well then we're going to boil it down to its essence and I'm going to say the trailer didn't get me. It just didn't. I, yeah. the, I have not watched a bunch of them. I saw the first one that was universally reviled and I have to admit, I when I watched that, I just kind of went, yeah, this has got nothing for me. It just doesn't. And and that's that was, I wasn't being judgmental. I wasn't being like, well, show me what you're going to do with your, my Ghostbusters property. Right. I I then, genuinely did you didn't find it on YouTube and then like create <laughs> new accounts and downvoted a bunch of. Oh yeah, I did, and I just and I kept writing comments under different names and stuff. <laughs> These bims aren't funny. Go ghosts. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was just so. That's actually funny. It made me laugh. Um, so I don't know what's wrong with people for the the women thing. And attacking it from that flank is bad, uh-huh. uh, but. If if you want to attack it from the, hey man, this is a property that really you didn't need to 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 touch, and you could have done something so much different with those people. And Paul Feig is incredibly talented. All these women are extremely talented, but I don't know. I guess I understand it's a built-in property, but when they they they're constantly rebooting everything, it's just yeah. such a drag, man. You're like, why? I, I saw, like, I didn't didn't they do. Uh, I mean, they did a vacation. I know they did a vacation. Yep. But, but that's then not a reboot. That's actually a sequel. That, uh, is, that is in continuity, just <laughs> yeah. so you know. All right. But then, but now there's like a Black yeah. Uncle Buck on TV. Not anymore. Uh, not anymore. <laughs> okay, he got whacked <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> right? Oh, yesterday. Yeah. But then there was a movie that was like, oh, uh, about last night. They did with like with an all-black cast. That's oh, right. That's they right. did. I forgot about that. And I see, you know, that stuff just flies by me. Like, And again, it's because I'm old and I don't pay attention like I used to. But I remember I heard about it. I was like, oh, why are you doing that? Because about last night is, a, is another one of those movies that's just, just put it in amber and put it on a shelf because it's the greatest it's i love it I, so for me wh- okay what about rebooting stuff that wasn't good to begin with like give taking another crack at it like they're making new tomb raider movies apparently those were never good maybe but, they can do it right this time true and and but the thing is again that subject matter holds nothing for me but if you if you had if you had a property that intrigued me and you like if they and I, this is a terrible thing this is the first thing that popped into my head but they already did reboot it Judge Dredd like it oh, was because yeah. you did it with Stallone it was all goofy and Rob Schneider and then they rebooted it again but they should have been a hard R violent I don't think it was that's the thing is they're so scared to do that oh, no, the, one, the, the I new think one is was it? I think uh, it was from what R. I understand was incredibly violent I didn't see it but that was the reputation it has is that it has yeah. lots and lots of slow motion uh, bullet wounds and well the fact that I heard like when I heard John Carpenter's doing a new Halloween 
and and I was like, I I mean, I don't know whether to get excited for that or not. I mean, I, I just he, he's you know he's an old grouch, and yeah. and that's he wants to get back and involved with the property, and are they just going to ignore all of the Rob Zombie nonsense and all? I just yeah, it just seems like a lot of times they're regurgitating the same things over and over. And I know we all feel that way, yeah. but th- especially they, this time of year. But I you know if they took properties, small properties or things like that, and 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 brought them back to life. And yeah, I'd be on board depending on what kind of movie it was, you know, yeah. I remember, I, um, the landmark theaters used to have these bumpers that were like interviews with different actors, little funny interviews. And, uh, Frank Whaley, do you remember this? Right. This oh, is yeah. going back to almost 20 years. Yeah. Frank Whaley had one where he talked about why are they keep, why do they keep remaking good movies? He's like, I was in a movie called swing kids. That was terrible. They should remake that. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, and it, uh, yeah. It made me like Frank Whaley, uh, more than I already did. Yeah. It's, I, I, uh, to go to the, like the Ocean's Eleven thing, and I guess, I guess it is. I guess my problem is with the idea of the reboot because you could make an all-female heist comedy. Yes, and I'm on board. That's what I'm and, saying. But then, like, you brand it Ocean's Eleven, and then it. But that's then, what these then things this, are really. Yeah, a lot of times is there someone has maybe a somewhat original idea, and the studio says, "Oh, if we yeah." you know, tweak this and this, we can fit it into this mold we have. And then it has name recognition. So the issue, you know the, um, there are five diehard movies, right? Yes. There's like nine, <laughs> but wait, are there, hang on. There's five, right? Okay. There's three got, good ones. You got your diehard, 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 you got your two, dieharder, diehard, diehard with a vengeance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got live free or diehard and a good day to diehard. That's five. I feel like there's one more. You come with the title. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I might be wrong. Well, uh, there's Alan Rickman. There's uh, William Sadler. Dennis France uh, and William Sadler. There's Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> and Jeremy Irons. Uh, Jeremy Irons. And Jeremy Irons. There's Timothy Oliphant. That's right. And then there's the one with his kid. Right. Okay. Maybe it is. Maybe it is only I think that's five. it. But anyway, my point is the fifth movie in that series was the only one that was written to be a diehard movie. Like the first one was based on a novel. Yeah. And then the middle three were all existing action movie scripts that the studio that Fox Fox just like bought and said, let's change some character names really? and turn these into diehard movies. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's five. <laughs> Although I, as I was looking it up, it looks like there's a possible diehard prequel. that's going to come out. I heard that. I also heard television series possibility. Well, there's a lethal weapon television series. I okay. saw that and Start. I wanted to murder everybody in the world. <laughs> yeah, I know you're, a yeah, big you know fan. what? Oh my God. Who, you have to, well, why not? You have to, <laughs> I mean, one is, is brilliant. Uh, two is, is, you know, they did that thing where they overindulge themselves again and again, but that's a fine. Uh, three is, I think a, a tragic mess. And then four, I actually liked very much. Um, I've seen none of them. I also have seen none of God them. We have this conversation every time. By the way, there may not be four. I may be like really no, there are, there's a, I remember the fourth, uh, the fourth one, one I was Jet Li. Four, all right, that's the great one. That one's really good, actually. Um, but that first, you got it. You still haven't seen it? Motherfucker, no, we should watch it now. Like, we have nothing to talk about. <laughs> Let's go watch it and come back. I'd, I'd be okay with it. I just, uh, I got stuff to do, I'm, unfortunately. I got that is grim. Do. You're watching I fucking know. Moby Kachobi and the Japanese ja- Johnsons, and you're not going to watch that, dude? What is wrong with you? <laughs> we we have a problem. <laughs> oh uh, wait, which one are you talking about? You and I have a that problem. We just lost movies. a bunch of Asian listeners. No, that we. No, uh, I, you're I'm talking about that dude, man. I just I don't know. I don't. <laughs> and the Grifters is great. You got to see it. Um, but boy, I I don't. How have you not seen Lethal Weapon? How have I'm you sorry. not? You want a shot at the title? There are. <laughs> there don't are. Mind if I do. God damn it. 
there are a few, uh, I mean, there are a number of blind spots. There are entire filmmakers that I, I've only seen like one Fellini film, but I've never seen the warriors. I was, Oh I was, my God. I was looking through Netflix today and realized that I had not seen the Warriors. All right. Well, let's talk about this. They were going to reboot that for the longest time. That's right. And then another, and then that was going to be all, uh, rap guys, like all the rap dudes wanted to be in it. And that was the whole deal was they were going to remake it with a bunch of those guys like 50 cent and those dudes. Um, and I, I don't know if it ever went anywhere, or if they were going to do it or they did it or and it's cause again, it might've just flown right by me on the radar, yeah. but I knew they were doing a warriors reboot. Um, I guess, I don't know if it, oh, cause what's his name was supposed to be in it. Uh, it's hail Sparta or whatever the fuck Gerald haircut Gerard Butler. Yeah, there you go. That's him. <laughs> Famous <laughs> rap guy. Gerard Butler. <laughs> he was going to be the centerpiece probably. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I call, yes, I called him Gerald haircut by the way. Um, yeah, from the movie hail Sparta. Of course. <laughs> so he was going to be that dude. And by the way, it's 300. It's another number movie. Um, so I, I remember they were going to do it, but then it kind of it also disappeared into the ether. One of those things. I don't, and again, I may have just missed it. It might have because movies now come out yeah. for a weekend, and if they don't hit, they're they're gone to Blu-ray or or, or the on demand yeah. immediately. Uh, yeah. Can I, we go back? Because I was just reminded of a story. The story of when you saw Three Hundred in the theater. Because you told it. It was <laughs> I don't know. It was an early forty-year-old boy or never not was funny. On, never not funny. Yeah. Uh, that's a funny story. Oh okay. Um, well, I, I did. I saw it in the theater. And, uh, and I laughed through the entire film. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, it was terrible. And, uh, and the movie ended and I was, I was just, I wanted to find solace with everybody else and just go, that was the dumbest fucking yeah. thing. Right. That was so terrible. And I literally, and I still, I, I kind of sat there and people stood up and they were, and guys started high-fiving in the theater <laughs> talking about how amazing it was. And they're, and they're just like, Oh, so that was fucking awesome. And I go, that was terrible. Right. And this guy goes, that was awesome. And I went, Oh my God. And I literally, I, I would, I thought I was going to have to fight my way out of there because when I said, cause I literally go, that was fucking terrible. Right. Cause I, I thought I would get some sort of grounds full of support. No, no. Yeah. And I said, I said, that was like a gay porn, but everybody was getting fucked with swords. <laughs> <laughs> and then I slipped into the darkness now, before I was killed and kicked into a pit. Um, you haven't been on the show in a while. You've been on the, our commentaries, and we thank you for that. But you haven't been on the show proper in a while. Did you ever see 300 Rise of an Empire? No. It's much better. I oh, will say that. On. And I'll tell you why. Two words in secession, Eva Green. She's oh, fantastic well, right. in everything. Yeah. And she's the she's technically the villain in this movie, but she's so great that you want her to win. Really? Like, I literally, by the end, when it come down to the final, like, fight between Eva Green and Sullivan Stapleton or whoever played the, the lead. I forgot for a second who I was supposed to be rooting for. Really? Because I wanted Eva Green to, to win. Cause What's the movie where she movie. blew Michael Pitt? The Dreamers. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah, I remember that one. It's a good movie. It is a good movie. I guess that is how you could summarize it. Well, it's funny. It's juxtaposed <laughs> against some revolution or some bullshit. All I remember is them having sex in a kitchen. Like, literally. <laughs> the revolutionaries <laughs> were bathing her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're painting her all white. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I remember that scene definitely for both of them, quite frankly. Uh, so yeah, I, well, good that I'm glad it turned out to be a, a good experience. I can't believe you made yourself go see that one after the first one was such a mess. I watched it at home. Video on demand. That's uh, how I watched that. VOD, huh? Yeah, VOD. Good thinking. There are, there are a number of movies that I have, uh, there's this thing called the movie pass where you pay a flat monthly fee and you can go see, uh, any movie for free, uh, at, participating theaters which is a every amc every regency so it's it works out really well uh you basically have to see one movie a week to make it pay for itself and and i so i try to see several and so that actually has freed me up to see more movies that otherwise i would have skipped uh and i'm able to speak m- uh, more completely about 
the, uh, a year. Like when I started doing this, they're not a sponsor. Uh, when I, I just, I just use the product. Uh, when I started doing this, I wound up, I think I saw 15 more movies that year than the previous year. And, but the problem is that I do wind up, I become a lot less discerning cause I'm not in my mind. I'm, I'm not spending my money. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, what the hell? It's just, it's just two hours. No problem. And I go see, you know, the last witch hunter. Oh, sure. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Jupiter ascending. Yeah. And no, that's any of, of those hunger games, nonsense things. <laughs> I like the, uh, I like, I like, th- the, I like three of the four hunger games movies. Oh my I like Christ. the two middle ones. The hell happened. Um, you too. <laughs> We used to, what did we used to be? I don't in know. It used to be beautiful. It just changed. <laughs> Everything went wrong. Askew. We am pretty no more. Um, yeah. Uh, well, well, I have two questions. Okay. Did you guys see the documentary Wiener? Uh, no, I didn't. About Anthony Wiener? No. All right. So I, that's, I've been told that's a must see. Yeah. Okay. And also uh, Midnight something. Midnight special. There you go. Is that it? See it? Okay. I, I love. I've heard fantastic yeah. things about it. So that's, I, I, I want to see that. Those two are, those are my, that's the next two I'll probably see in a theater. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, they're small and if I can, I, as I get older, I just find myself gravitating. I want, I just want to see people talk. I know it sounds dumb. Yeah. Like I saw civil war and I, and I dug it. I really dug it. It was great. It's, you know, 40 minutes too long or whatever the fuck. And, and also I, uh, look, <laughs> look, uh, how does anybody side with captain America after you see Bucky murder Tony Stark's parents? There's just, I'm, I'm spoiler alert. Uh, literally in the movie, there's that scene with the three of them there and they're watching Baron Zemo's television and, uh, and he's got them in a cave somewhere with Wi-Fi, and, uh, he's like, Hey, check out this VHS tape. I smuggled out of Russia. And it's, and it turns out it's like, it's the accident from a camera in a tree. I don't fucking know. No idea how TMZ got their cameras there to see the murder of the Starks, but they did. And then there's that clear shot of like Bucky and he like throws his hair back before he throttles the mom. Terrible. So that happens, and and Captain America is well, with Bucky. I didn't know that any of this happened. That's oh nice. my Christ! I'm sorry. No, that's fine because okay. that sounds horrible. Oh my well, God! It's, it's an I'll say it's an odd characterization <laughs> okay. of what happened. Well, but, uh, so it, it's this, but it's this tense moment. All right, and and uh, and they're watching the video. They take a break from chasing Baron Zemo to go and watch a video because they apparently bought the monthly pass. <laughs> so they sit and they watch because they're not we very got, discerning. Time, yeah. The murder. We'll check this out. So they, they play it and, uh, and Bucky tosses his hair and then, you know, he, he first of all, he shoots like Tony Stark's dad on the ground mm-hmm. and he murders him. And then of course, five different camera angles switch. Cause I don't know how they got that fucking, they got a four <laughs> camera shoot in the woods. So he goes around and then there's like Mrs. Stark and she's like, <laughs> And, uh, and he reaches in and he just, and he takes his Bucky hand and puts it around her fucking throat and then they pan up and he's like, he makes like a, he actually twirls his mustache and it's like so bad. <laughs> so then they pan back and then there's literally it's Captain America and Bucky and, and Iron Man watching this video and Bucky, the best part is Bucky's kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot I killed Iron Man's parents. Like it's, you'd see his face and Captain America's like, uh, Bucky, did you fucking kill Iron Man's parents? And, but you see Iron Man just kind of like, he's watching the video and he's, and he turns and he looks at them. And, and Captain America it, literally tries to go something like, uh, now Tony. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, there's just, how does Captain America side with him? How? Well, it's, and that's the thing is, you know, in the context of uh, the story, you know, Winter Soldier's uh, brainwash. But I will say. He was, but so what? That it's such a great bit of acting from Robert Downey Jr. It's phenomenal. In that moment when, because he knows that. Bucky was brainwashed and he wasn't being, he, he couldn't be responsible for his actions, but he doesn't care. He always says it's, that. It's, he actually yeah, says it out loud. He's, and, and there's just such a harrowed, a harrowing look on his face. And it's, 
it's the thing. I, I didn't like Civil War that much. Yeah. But throughout these movies, the one thing that you can say is that when you see these characters over and over again, you see the same actors playing them, you are able to see what the actors are doing with them. Yes. And Robert Downey Jr. has consistently, he's still doing like his, his fun mannerisms Doesn't and stuff. Doesn't matter. He's but a monster. He is, deepening yeah. that character with every new movie. And, and in, it's so funny because then you say he's he's haunted, like completely yeah. haunted, and he knows what he has to do. I mean, he's killing Bucky. It doesn't matter. And it's this moment where there, you know, this three-way dance is about to start, and you don't yeah. know what's going to happen. And then, well, luckily, we get to watch pixels smash into one another for the next nine minutes. And you're like, ah, oh, you know, you kind of lost me. I'm, I like that fight. I think it actually... It's a great fight, yeah. but it but there's a moment there where you're just, you almost wish that they that it almost would have been a real fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. He would have just been, kept running after him to tackle him and try to thr- strangle him. And he's yeah. in all not just being rocks shields and and yeah i got it i mean and i and dude i dug that fight clearly and i, I love black panther there's a lot there's a lot i just loved the movie i did mm-hmm. i really it's too long but it's still great and it's better than anything dc has ever turned out still did you see batman versus superman it's interesting you would ask me that. Okay. No, of course I did. I saw it. I saw it opening night. I saw it at like midnight. Uh, I did a whole show on it. I mean, I, I, because I, it's laughable. It's laughable how bad it is. I mean, it is, it's torturous and, and it, it just folds in on itself and there's no joy whatsoever. And it is bleak and, but not bleak in a good way, just yeah. bleak in a way where they've like, they've literally took a palette and erased all color from it. And there's yeah. nothing, there's nothing but, but everybody's morose. I mean, Man, super, from the director of 300 too, you wouldn't expect shock it, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I just don't, you know, I don't need to see Superman carrying groceries. I, I don't need to see, yeah. I mean, it's just the dumbest shit. Dude, well, I bet he can carry a lot of <laughs> Dude, oh, yeah, of course he can. Oh my God. He he, but that's the thing. Down. If he's going to carry groceries, carry a fuck ton of groceries. Groceries. Carry Don't carry a bag. Store. Yeah. So he, he and then in the movie, there's this. You know, I, I saw the trailers, and even the trailers left me cold. And I knew, I knew. And then because there's their scene the, where Superman lands in a fucking tunnel, and everybody kneels, and he goes, and there's Batman all tied up. Batman's wearing a coat for some ridiculous yeah. reason. And then he takes Batman's mask off. And I'm not kidding you. I saw that in the trailer, and I went, "Well, that's a dream sequence. That never happens." Yeah. And I was talking to my trainer, and he's like, why? And I go, because there's, he, he doesn't need to look through, he looked through the mask. He doesn't yeah. need to tear it off. He knows who he is. Uh, and, and nobody would kneel for Superman. And why would Superman go underground and tie Batman up? He doesn't need to do any of that shit. Just all of those misfires. So I knew it was a dream sequence. And then, but little did I know, there's 14 dream sequences in the fucking movie, including one that all of a sudden this dude like leans out of a computer and he's yelling at Bruce Wayne and then he disappears. Yeah. And I went in my head, I go, I don't know who the fuck that was. And I found out later it's supposed to be the flash from an alternate dimension, yeah. but they don't explain it at all. Boy. Yeah. Dude. And then I find out now with the Blu-ray coming out, like, did you see the, 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 the R rated one? I didn't watch it, but you know, I know it's favorite, there. This, uh, this is totally true. I go to Facebook. Okay. And the day it came out, uh, it was a trending topic in the, in the Facebook news. So I clicked on it and you scroll down and you see people are posting on it. I'm not fucking kidding. There's easily 10 different names, Simon Brown, Roger Wilson, Carl Jenkins with the exact same paragraph. You know, I'll tell you what, at the movies, a lot of people didn't care for this, but this blue, it really totally pieces it together. <laughs> literally word for word, verbatim the text. And I'm like, you fuck it. I see you working. Warner brothers, you <laughs> motherfuckers. Terrible. But then I read the review of the, of the ponderous R rating. You know why it's got an R rating? You know why? No. One, one fuck. No. There's a, you know the scene where the cripple... You mean uh, the word, not the action. The word. Oh, my God. I wish there was the action. I'm in. <laughs> then I'm in. They're washing Superman. They're painting him all white. Uh, the fucking... There's the scene where the dude walks in and sees Luther in his house, the crippled dude who painted the statue. He comes into right. the house and Luther's there and he, and he goes, what are you doing? But in the, in the Blu-ray, he goes, what the fuck are you doing? And that's your R. That's it. Also, let me ask you this. Remember when the Superman... 
an unbelievably comes to a hearing at, at Congress or whatever the fuck. Yes. And he walks through this and, and like, he just literally walks in. He's like, hi, how you doing? I'm Superman. Good to see everybody. Please take your seats. <laughs> <laughs> and if I, I tell you what, I gotta be honest about Superman. I'm fucking with everybody. Why didn't he? And I guess, I guess it's hard for the CGI, but he should have just like slow flew. <laughs> <laughs> just like just three inches above everyone's head. Just flying in and looking around at everybody. How you doing? That's right here to testify. And just, and just like, not even, not even above their head, like literally at waist level. <laughs> Just like a shark with no water and just floating into the fucking room. Because why not? If you're going to freak him out, freak him the fuck out. You're already in red and blue pajamas and you're, you're fake God. Why not just be weird? Just come in and do all that shit. Parkour into the fucking room. Do anything. I like, I like the idea that he, not like Kool-Aid Man, I like the idea that he just calmly walks through the wall. Just uh, like, yeah. just, and so we're the door. Yeah. Uh, so he floats into the fucking thing and you remember, and all of a sudden he's given, and then there's Granny's Peach Tea and the fucking yeah. Luther and all that. And then Luther's gone, and so bad yeah. bad things are about to happen, and uh, and then the explosion happens. Right? There's a thing. Spoiler alert. So now, but in the movie, they never explain how why Superman doesn't know there's a bomb in the room. Yeah, right. No, they they don't really. No, they don't. It's in the Blu-ray. Oh, good. Because they they back tag it with a scene where like Amy Adams is talking to somebody and they go, uh, and she, apparently she does like a law and order where she goes to the basement where the forensic person is. Oh, yeah. And the forensic person goes, look at this, lead. <laughs> Not even kidding. <laughs> like lined the wheelchair with lead, which is a great explanation if you put it in the original fucking movie. Well, the problem says fucking lead. Nah, yeah. fucking lead. Check this out. And that has to be Can in the Can you believe this shit? Yeah. <laughs> That fucking cripple had a lead wheelchair. What the fuck, man? <laughs> See, then I'm in. There's your R rating. This whole scene that's just like almost written by Shane Black. Yeah. Uh, just a bunch of nonsense and swearing and terribleness. God damn, I can't believe they killed that cunt Holly Hunter. Oh my Christ. It's like a little David Mamet play breaks yeah. out in the middle of the film. Yeah. So I, 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 it's awful. It's so awful. Laughably awful. However, the idea that Ben Affleck will be directing a Batman movie with this Batman is, to me, exciting. Yes, I'm excited for Ben Affleck to write and direct that because I love Argo and I think he does great work. Mm-hmm. However, I, I'm just, they've, they've frittered away Batman in such a way where it's, yeah. it's so, it's, it's, it's di- disappointing and it's, it's almost depressing. Because like I said, there's, there's so much canon and so many stories and so many villains. That's why Batman begins to use the scarecrow is it was genius mm-hmm. because it opened and then to let the scarecrow get away. Oh my God. That's, that's the whole point. These guys don't die. They don't get killed. They don't get caught and, and they get caught. They get thrown into Arkham. There's always two more to fucking take their place. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're literally, they're fighting a giant steroided up alligator in the last movie. And I, whoever the fuck dark side is or whoever he was apocalypse or whoever he was. And also there's a scene where they set up the villain for oh, justice. Doomsday. League. Doomsday's who they fought yeah, yeah yeah okay but now there's a guy named sergeant wolvesbane or whatever the fuck he supposedly is the villain from he's gonna be the villain in justice league there's a scene in the blu-ray that didn't make the final cut of the actual film that shows lex Luthor standing next to him communicating with him in the krypton ship well, how do you not include the flash of the villain from the justice league <laughs> and then the end of batman superman come on I, look i don't read the comics but if there was one soul on earth who literally was in there and just went Oh man, I, I can't believe that Superman died. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. And another thing with Superman in these in this in this universe, all we see we saw Superman make groceries, we saw him testify Congress, we saw him save somebody from a burning building in Guatemala, and then we saw him get mad at Batman. <laughs> L- literally, there's no there's no motivation for him to do anything at all. We've talked about it when I talked about the other fucking movie. I yeah. he just he's just there. He's inert. He has no reason to be. Yeah. 
And and so and then Batman's just mad at him like I hate that Superman. Why? Yeah. I don't know because just because you know. Well, they're, they should again. That they blew the moment in the trailer where they put the first moment where they ride, where he rises out of the Batmobile and they're face to face. That should have never been anywhere near a trailer where they're on screen together yeah. for the first time. It shouldn't. You should not have it. Did you like the fight between them? I kind of did. It's it's again. I'm I'm having a problem with these consequenceless fights. Yeah. And I'm having a problem with these these this multitude of casualty-less violence. You know what I mean? Like, because people now do the body count after the fact and like, you know, Batman was responsible for the death of at least 21 people single-handedly. But then, you know, because I talked about it when you literally Superman is a walking 9-11. That's all he is because he smashes buildings and kills everybody and then they took that and they made it the plot of this movie. Um, He hurt a friend of Bruce Wayne's and that's why he hates Superman. It's it's just so, they reduce it to the most basic of levels. That's my problem even with Stark and Iron Man. I'm tired of the fucking guys getting their parents killed. Black Panther's dad dies. These other people die. Can they have some other motivation like maybe you want to save the world or something like that, or just be yeah. good guys. Or I, I, I just get, they just seem to retread them over and over. And Marvel does it a million times better and brighter and has great writing Dude, that scene where Spider-Man webs Bucky and, and, and Rhodey to the ground. And then, it, yeah, so perfect. And he's like, yeah, well, that's whatever he says. He goes, I hate you. I mean, it's just, yeah. That in the scene in the car, when captain America kisses the secret agent, all yeah. that's, that was all missing from anything that DC could ever hope to do. Well, yeah. and, uh, wonder woman, <clears throat> I'm, I want to hear Wonder Woman. What'd you think? I didn't see this movie. Okay. Sorry. You're out. <laughs> okay. Uh, my response is, uh, who? Right. Right. Dude. I have to, I kept hearing from everybody. Oh, Wonder Woman is the best thing in this movie. I can't wait to see the Wonder Woman movie. I'm so excited. Oh, she might be. No, nah, she's a mess. <laughs> but dude. My, my answer is she might be, which speaks to how bad the movie is. Yeah. Okay. Um, that accent, she was, her acting was terrible. I'm sorry, her acting was terrible. The accent, I guess they had to make her from a weird island or she's Greek or something like that. I don't give yeah. a fuck. She's got a mouthful of euros when she's trying to talk. <laughs> then she's supposed to have a, like a blue and yellow fucking bright costume with a golden lasso. She walks out in a fucking suit of melted pennies. What the fuck are you wearing? <laughs> I don't need steampunk Wonder Woman. Wear a fucking color. Jesus God. And here's a fun little thing when they, uh, when they do, uh, you know, I was starting to, because I, I did not really respond to Civil War. It seemed a little bit bland to me, which actually caused me to rethink, like, well, this movie is definitely not bland. I don't think I like what it is, but it definitely isn't bland. So it got me, like, rethinking this movie and kind of, quote-unquote, appreciating it a little bit more. But in talking about it now, I am now remembering the things I did not care for. Good. And we did a whole episode that David <laughs> sat out with Pat Francis and Mike Siegel. Okay. And uh, we made Mike see it. He did not want to. And uh, <laughs> and then I guilted him into it, because they yeah. were both there for man of steel um so uh and mike is a very accommodating guy and uh, hated me afterwards so yeah, uh, i co-hosted the show you could not coax me into seeing the movie <laughs> i sat the episode out yeah well if like batman had a fucking pipe or a coat on you'd be like yay i'm in <laughs> sure oh look batman has a dictionary i'm gonna check that movie out it's great <laughs> if he was speaking french or japanese oh absolutely obviously. oh my god certainly uh <laughs> Like like old Japanese Joe. Remember him? Talking about. Um, <laughs> Movie McScooby and the Japanese Johnsons? Is that what we said earlier? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the, the extended trailer for the, uh, the DC universe where they show Cyborg and the Flash <laughs> and Aquaman. Listen, here's, I, I, this is what happened. Batman does his world's greatest detective bit, right? Yeah. And literally, they, they should, could have played like that old-timey ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 music behind it because he's like, tra- first he's hitting a tire and then he's at a computer and he's sweating a little bit and all this nonsense. <laughs> so then, uh, and that's, no, there's, they're like, oh, that was finally some Batman detective work. No, it, it wasn't. It really wasn't. No. So then he, his computer cracks the code and then he's like, who are these people? And then they have four 
folders, and one of them has like a lightning bolt. One of them has a, a, a trident. Yeah. Lex Luthor took the time to create. His to, webman created yeah. the logos for the DC universe. <laughs> yeah, seriously, that's that's totally true. Lex Luber, Luger, Lex Luthor's web people, his his IT guy, yeah. invented the logos for the DC universe. That's yeah. that's the only explanation. He because he hacks into his computer under this special project, and then four of them had a trident and all that, and then Aquaman, oh, dude, it's so bad. Like because they go, they show Cyborg, and again, I don't know who Cyborg is because I'm not familiar with DC. Yeah, I'm not super. He's like, he's a building him. He's in a wall or some bullshit, whatever. His, and then his name is Victor Stone. He was a high school football star who got into an accident. His and his parents, who were uh, well, in this movie, um, uh, scientists built him a cyborg body. How do you know that? Because I like cyborg. All right. <laughs> I read the this. This is. This is. Uh, was there a film where Cyborg befriended a French orphan? Uh, yeah. and you saw that. Yeah, the wow. red Cyborg balloon. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to like rethink you as a person, not because this is bad, but I just. Here's the thing: I don't like comic book movies anymore. Right. I still like comic books. I forgot that you read comic books, and I, I guess I didn't know that you read series. I didn't know that you read like Marvel or DC. I thought it was all you know. Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, or, yeah, I, I do read. Or Mouse. I, I read some superhero comics. I, I've actually never read Mouse. It's very good. And, so uh, anyway, the, yeah. the idea here is that I know who Cyborg is and I know okay. his backstory. Okay, well, yeah, I, I did not. <laughs> and they give you no inclination yeah. as to who he is or what he might be. All it is, it's a dark basement and he's getting, he's screaming at some point. And, and, then, when, and when I think of who would be the best on-screen Flash, I know... Kevin from We Need to Talk About Kevin. That's <laughs> is that who that is? Yeah. Ezra Miller, also uh, from uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower, which I didn't see. I hear he's very good in it. But uh, And he's a good actor. And that's it. that movie has three too many syllables in the title for me to ever see it. <laughs> Perks of Being a <laughs> Yeah, I'm checked out at that point. It's, and the, the footage they have of Flash is he's in a market, and there's a holdup, and he runs over, and he stops it, and then he goes back and buys some milk. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and you're supposed to go, wow, that guy was fast. I mean, I guess. <laughs> and then, but Aquaman's the killer. Aquaman's the best one. It's literally an underwater shot of, like, kelp. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, you just see hair and a face, and he goes, ah, I'm Aquaman. <laughs> and he points his trident to the camera. I'm Aquaman. And then he disappears back into the drink. And it's like, come on, man. Seriously? <laughs> like, the worst debut ever of a character in the history of movies, in my opinion. If you Because they're, you know, they want, because look, Aquaman's a goof anyway. Yeah. Entourage uses him as a fucking plot point forever. Uh-huh. So you're already behind the eight ball on the guy. And all they want was, hey, wouldn't his hair look cool underwater? That's literally all they did. <laughs> so, and then he just, he emerges from this fucking coral reef and he just, po- he literally points his trident at the camera like, Meh. and then he disappears into the deep. So he's played playing. by Edward G. Robinson, he was. obviously. Oh, see, I was picturing, uh, Burgess Meredith, the penguin with, with the hand of the umbrella. Or <laughs> I just, it, the whole thing was such a whiff. It's that bad dialogue between Wonder Woman and, and Batman at the party when they're trying to be you know, oh, the, back and the forth, banter. sparkling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Batman wakes up in bed with a woman and they never, you never see her again. Yeah. Literally, she doesn't even talk. She's just face down asleep while he wakes up and he's he like, kill her? Uh, he might have, I don't know. He kills people, right? Yeah, like, he yeah. killed a bunch of people in this goddamn movie. He kills like 21 women. That's what it is. Why not? <laughs> he, well, they're going to reboot it and he's going to kill 21 women. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll reboot it and kill 21 black guys. That's the thing. <laughs> and Gerard Butler. That's the thing is that like, everything is happening so fast now. One of the reasons that and the the Nolan Batman universe is, is very effective, and Batman Begins is a really great reboot. But it's made all the more effective because we had seven years, no, eight years, in between Batman and Robin. We were given time to... I remember there's there's a, a line... I, I didn't watch a lot of Everybody Loves Raymond, but I remember there was a line that really struck me where 
uh, Ray's mom is over all the time and they, and she and, and uh, Patricia Heaton have a big argument and Patricia Heaton ultimately says like, you're not giving me enough time to miss you. And I feel like that's what's happening with Batman and Spider-Man Spider, yeah. and all these other things. You need to give us time to want them yeah. again. Yeah. You know, and people are, it, both of the, the, okay, so the first, um, Amazing Spider-Man with uh, uh, Andrew Garfield, it made enough money to warrant a second one, but it didn't make enough money that everyone was like, oh, wow, this is, a, this is really something. Uh, people are really embracing Spider-Man again. Then that second one did not make enough money for them to warrant making a third. They started planning it. They, they, they sowed the seeds of the Spider-Man ext- expanded universe. They sowed seeds for you know the, the Sinister Six and all of that. And but the, it just, but the it just didn't make is, money, so they just abandoned it. But that's because but it wasn't we, Marvel. You know, th- that, yeah, there, there is that, yes. It was, it's, it's Sony, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're like, we got to do this quick. Yeah. We got to get as many characters out there as possible so we can create as many possibilities for the spinoffs yeah. and stuff. And uh, and so your point is is well taken. They they don't give these characters enough room to rest or breathe at yeah. all because they're just, they're like, we got to run this out there and make as much money as we possibly can. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, that's why I think Marvel does it. They do it right. Yeah. And, uh, and well, cause, and, cause they did it first and they were able to take their time. That's what you're talking about is yes. But DC has not, stolen the right stuff from them they haven't copied anything they figure they're going to be the other side of the coin we're going to be the dark ones we're going to be the adult version it's like nah, nobody wants that dude yeah. and you've, you've taken the joy out of these characters from me and it would appear that they flipped it this other way as well where rather than have a lot of individual movies leading to the avengers we they don't have a justice league movie yet but they have wonder woman batman and superman in one movie and it's the second one in this new yes. series so and they have Lex Luthor, uh, Doomsday, and all of these other elements, and that's the second film. And so I think they're, they're yes. And they're Superman on died in the second film. Yeah, I, but I'm just saying it. It's just it's infinitely more interesting. Like I, you know, like I talked about Dark Knight, and I know there are people who hate it, and there are people who just you know, upon further review, don't think it holds up. And I get that. But when I first saw it, and I, I, I still maintain this, it, it's not a Batman movie. It's like if they had The Departed and Batman showed up. And I, I've said that often because he goes to Hong Kong. He gets out of Gotham. He, he's a global presence, yeah. you know, and the Joker is a... No one specifically referenced Heat as something yeah. he had looked... Right, at. and it's, it's very much got yeah. that aesthetic. And the Joker is a person. He's a homicidal maniac. He's not a goofy, like, Suicide Squad. I, I'm going to see it. I am. Yeah. I, 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 I'm cause I'm a Joker guy and I, I, I think Jared Leto is a fantastic actor and I want to see what he does with it. I don't like the way he looks, but I'm willing to give it a shot and I'm hoping he's malevolent and they let him be as evil and terrible as he could possibly be. Yeah. That would be the best. Killing joke is going to be fucking amazing. The animated yeah. killing joke. I can't wait just to see if they let him be as terrible and awful as he should be. I guess yeah. it's R rated. So they should. Yeah. But like, uh, it's just cause one fuck <laughs> <laughs> in suicide. That, that trailer for Suicide Squad, because that, that's now their baby. Yeah. After Batman and Superman tanked it, they immediately went back and they added like 10 minutes of footage. They did re- yeah. reshoots to make it funnier and brighter and do what yeah. they could. I, I'm sorry. That scene where she hits, she she smashes open the window and she leans forward. We get a great ass shot of Margot Robbie. And then she, she goes, we're bad guys. It's what we do. It's the worst line read. It's terrible. Yeah. I'm not excited to see that character at all because of that line read. I'm not... 
any of them. And again, I don't know kill shot or, or, you know, dumb fuck or any of these other heroes are villains. I don't know who they are, man. It's I, I want to see and dumb. Fuck. Oh, is it true? <laughs> I just want to, I want to see the, I want to see the Joker and Batman in a real movie again, head to head. I want, I, that's, or the Joker with the Riddler, but not a goofy Riddler, like a sinister Riddler. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I wanted James Woods to be the Riddler like a million hmm. years ago. I was like, I mean, not now he's a fucking psychopath, but like, <laughs> You know, we had a discussion once where we were like, hey, man, what actor would you want to be in a Tarantino film that has not been in one? And it's like, I would, I would take Val Kilmer and James Woods immediately oh, and have wow. him do whatever he wanted to do with them, make them do anything, and because yeah. they're incredible talent. My go-to for that is William Peterson. Love it. Love so it, love dude. Yeah. Tarantino movie. Um, I, I was just trying to explain somebody. It was terrible. The, the, about Drive, uh, seeing Drive at the theater. Mm-hmm. And I was at a, a Q&A, and, there, you know, and Gosling was there, and, uh, and Albert Brooks, and, and uh, Riesling. Because uh, we were talking about Neon Demon, and it spun off into Drive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I said, that's, from what I know, that's the apex of his career. I mean, I, I heard everything else. He's been chasing Drive since, or whatever. There are the pusher movies and all that. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, but when, when Drive started, it was so to live and die in L.A., like immediately, right in the opening, because the credits, it's that the font yeah. and the bright colors, the neon. and Because uh, when you want to live and die in L.A., it opens on that presidential motorcade, and it's it's all orange and, and blue and teal, and it's so great. It puts you right there. You're there's right some, there. There's some Thief in there as well. Oh, Thief, dude. Which dude. I, I just watched for the first time, like, that's maybe another, a year or two ago. That's another movie. Man, that's amazing. It's, Here's it's, what comes up every time my screen is on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Weapon, Thief, yeah. and I want to say a Bronx Tale. Is that the other one? Now you can't. Leave. No. Yeah, that's a great. That yeah, seems yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, I love Bronx Tale, but but Heat and Thief and uh, you know and uh, um, what's the vampire movie with Bill Paxton and Lance Henriksen? Uh, near, near, near Dark. Near dark. Oof. Yeah. You know those are those are sinister little movies. Digstown. These are little movies that have oh, effective Digstown. punch and they're so great. And it, you know you miss that. You you want we killing them softly. It's how you fix the game. Yeah, that was the tagline on the VHS cover yeah. art for uh, Digstown. Dude, I thought it was the con is on, which has been used a couple of times. Uh, maybe I had two. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> go on. <laughs> no, that's all. I'm just saying you miss those movies where there's actual yeah. dialogue and talking. I saw. I watched Bone Tomahawk last night because mm-hmm. uh, you would you would. Re- re- I mean, Christ four months ago, five yeah. months ago, you told me to watch it. And it was one of those things where I was waiting to watch it with my girlfriend and I was, we, she, we live far apart from one another. But, uh, but last night I was going to watch it for this specifically. And, uh, you know, you know, I'm a Tarantino guy. Mm. Hateful Eight is a good movie. It's a, it's a good two hour movie that's made into three hours. Yeah. I, I just think there's too much. And he, it's the first time I ever felt he was being indulgent. Mm. And the first time I ever felt he was trying, which yeah. is, I've never felt that way about his stuff before. Or in but, some cases not trying. Yeah, just just yeah. you know, he had it at all at his disposal. You yeah. know, that was his deal. So, so watching Kurt Russell and Bone Tomahawk last night, I wish that Kurt Russell was in Hateful Eight. Yeah, because in Hateful Eight, he's just Yosemite Sam. <laughs> he's just you know, I'm the rootinest tootinest. Hey there, nigger. I mean, it's like you know, whatever. Good for you, but I don't. I, he's just so over the top and just. It, it was almost like Mickey Dolan's in a Kurt Russell suit. I mean, like, what are you doing with this over the top weird monkeys nonsense? And I, I just, it, it, he needed to be reined in at yeah. that point. And and when you watch Bone Tomahawk, that that was a law man. That was a western. That was a guy that you would i would watch that character in a billion movies it was just yeah. so because he's exactly what he needed to be and he, there's an an inherent decency to him but yes. he doesn't seem naive no uh i can okay so he also was my second favorite movie of last year behind brooklyn and it was so close yeah so close and i think if i were to rethink it it might be my favorite movie of last year he you say an inherent decency and that's a great way to put it he uh he seems so much larger than his circumstance Yep. He he is he is Wyatt Earp 
Mm-hmm. He just happens to be the sheriff of a town of 20. Yeah. And uh, that's where he wants to live with his wife and have fry bread. Like he yeah. doesn't, he could be more, but he's happy to live with his wife and, and, st- and keep the peace in that town. And that's why one drifter shows up. Well, you know what? I'm going to go step on this bug real quick before he causes any consternation in my little town. Yeah. And decency and honor and valor. And it's all comes through in the in, right. Yeah. Every throwaway, every line, the soup, eh, all of it. Yeah. Everything he does is perfect. And just Everything. his relationship with Richard Jenkins just yep. like speaks volumes about both characters. Yes. Cause I hated Richard Jenkins from the jump. And then by the end you're like, Oh, I'm on board. Yeah. You know, I got it. I totally Absolutely. got it. And he let him, he indulged him and let him be whoever. But then when he had to, he stepped on him. I was just, he yeah. was fully in control of the situation and he showed respect to Matthew Fox and, and, uh, until he didn't have to, yep. but then he respected him more. I mean, it's just great. The interplay, because then I Googled the dude. Like, I don't know anything about the guy who made it. It's his first, I think it's his first feature. It's his first feature. He was a catering chef who wrote like nine scripts while he was doing yeah. that. All of his stuff, it's funny because you know he does his own IMDb page. <laughs> All of his stuff is in development. Yeah, yeah. Um, but apparently one of them the big the, is, is DiCaprio's producer. I don't okay. know if he got him on board because of Bone Tomahawk or what. Probably. But um, but yeah, but all the, you know, he's one of those dudes who he wrote the music and he directed it and he yeah. wrote it and he was probably the line producer and he did all, you know, all that stuff. Uh, he wrote, uh, uh, he has a, but it's so funny, like his other movies, three fugitives return to a town to fight back against the sheriff that they, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so he, and he wrote a novel that he adapted into a film. So he's, he's that guy. It seems like he's prolific yeah. and he's found a way and he's found the, and they're all, all the same producers are involved in his in production stuff, mm-hmm. his in development stuff. So he probably found his niche and these guys went, well, we're on board with you, whatever you want to yeah. do. And, and I, cause I mean, again, I, are there mistakes in it? Yes. I mean, I could, I could say that, but it's it's he got great actors to do great things yeah. i mean and, and you can't ask for much more than that and i don't know how the script got into the hands of uh, kurt russell but he's been championing this movie for years and you can tell in the performance like he found this script and said i want to play this character i'm that guy i am going to play i think it's i think kurt russell is actually a very underrated actor absolutely um a- I liked dude in, absolutely i liked him in dark blue yes um <laughs> saw that one <laughs> love him and but I think this in Miracle, I dude, like he's in great in, in Grindhouse, in in uh, yeah. in Dead Proof, Death Proof. You know, yeah. just that the, he has had that great line at the bar where, where she's talking to him, and he just you know, uh, stuntman Mike, and then and then he's why he calls you stuntman Mike, I'm stuntman. Then they ask Tarantino why he comes because he's stuntman. It's just great. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, she calls him icy. Okay, icy. Just whatever. Just but the way he when he's underplaying when he's you know yeah. within himself and he's just a great actor. He's a really great actor. And he and he finds some really good stuff to do in Hateful Eight as well when he's being smaller. Like when he's like yes. everything regarding the Lincoln letter. He's doing great stuff. Yes. Um, and and even when he's being big, it's fun. But it's not. At, it's weird that being over the top. Like you said, as as you get older, you just enjoy people talking. Yeah. As I. If I were 22 and I saw Hateful Eight, oh, oh every, sure. I'd love everything big. It's like, no, no, no. Get these small moments out of the way. But I think, now, I think I, he I, felt, I treasure those. The only thing I could think was that he felt that he had to keep up with Samuel L. Jackson, who is a force of fucking nature. Yeah. And clearly this movie is written for him. Yeah. He's the guy. Yeah. Um, my favorite, my, and it's going to not shock anybody. My, my favorite guy in hateful eight is Madsen. It's he's, he's so he's just real. He's the only real thing in it. He's so real that the scene where Russell comes up to him and he's writing in the book and he just, that's the best scene in the movie. And just my life story. And he says, am I in it? And just gives that big smile. Smirk, and he goes, you just, entered. you just entered. Oh, <laughs> oh. 
that and when they put the knife to his neck to d- take the gun away and just yeah. and because he wants because the best part is then in the flashback when you see wh- who they really are yeah you know how badly he wanted to kill everybody in the fucking room <laughs> yeah. and you know he could do it yeah but he, he they had to pretend and play act this whole time yeah because that's what they needed to do. And he's like the least effective of the play actors. Cause oh, yeah. he's just himself. He's sinister. Yeah. He's just, you can just see he's, he, cause he's, he's swallowing bile because he wants nothing to do with <laughs> like, kind of like, you know, kowtowing to these new guys. Yeah. Cause they all come in swinging their dicks around and he's just kind of like, yeah, all right. You know, he, he wants, he literally wants to kill every motherfucker in the room and you could tell. Yeah. It's so great. And it bubbles out of him. It's sinister. It's malevolence and it's small. And that's the thing is that I can't, I can't, disregard uh hateful eight because there's still good in it oh i can't just you know i love damien bashir i think he's hilarious and i can and i kind of wait well hold on which one's damien bashir bob i'm gonna hit you with something why that's the worst part of the movie oh i love him so much i think he's very funny oh no no the first time i just i thought like yeah it's fine and then just as the second time i saw it he really stuck out to me for certain, for reasons I can't totally figure out. I have to see it again. I, I, I found it to be an amateurish attempt. And, and I guess more if I, if I apply brain power to it, okay. that was what a Mexican guy would think that a Mexican guy would sound like to Americans. And that's why he was trying to play like that throughout the, throughout the scene. That yeah. makes sense. You know what I, I mean? That's that. So if I give yeah. him that, yeah. then I, then I buy the performance, but otherwise the, Hey, cabron, what are you doing over by the stool? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, Oh man, <laughs> it might as well have been Tarantino playing that part. You know what yeah. I mean? Cause that, that would have been the role for him. Cause that, that was essentially the Tarantino Australian slave owner from yeah. Django. Hey, yeah. blackie, you know, all that, not the, the bad <laughs> accent. But if I apply that kind of reverse brain power to it, where yeah. I go, well, this is him doing what he thinks they'll buy. Yeah. And just not like being Tim Roth. himself, his doing, yeah, doing Terry Thomas. His character is that's perfect. Yes, because he's he is British, but he's more of like a working class British, and so it's like, well, surely I can't do that. So I will be the most British thing you can think <laughs> oh, of, sure. which is Terry Thomas. You, I, it's the first time I thought of it, and you've completely nailed it. He's a, he's a teacup with arched eyebrows, <laughs> like the entire performance. You're like, oh, okay, but yeah, he's Terry Thomas completely. So you you watch it, and it's just. Again, I'll have to see it again because I saw it. I literally saw a road show opening night. Jill and I went and, and we were in the theater and it was her first Tarantino. Hmm. She had never seen one. Wow. And uh, yeah, uh, she's a no like, Ghostbusters, no Tarantino. No, she's very, uh, she had you know, life and kids. Oh, okay. um, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like literally you forget that. I'm like, my whole life has been wee. And she's just like, I raise a family, you dumb fuck. So, but she went and she liked and she liked it. She did. But then I mean, then we watched Pulp and then she was yeah. just like, oh, you know, and she really liked that. So that was good. So I had a uh, so over more than one lesson. We recently did a, a, a listener generated top fifty movies of all time list, and Pulp Fiction was on it, uh, as it always will be uh, in these lists. Like BP did one, and it was and mm-hmm. it was in the top ten, I believe. Um, and a question came up, which is: Is Pulp Fiction? I, I put Pulp Fiction and Fargo together. They were within a couple years of each other, and. You know, the Coen brothers definitely had made their mark to a certain extent. And then Fargo comes along and everyone says, hang on a second. What? Okay, these guys are major players and amazing artists. And so I think for a lot of people, that will be the peak of the Coen brothers. Even though they do No Country for Old Men, they do True Grit and and a lot of other great movies. I think for a lot of people, Fargo is where it will peak. And I think that's how it is with Pulp Fiction. For me, I, I... I have a, a soft spot for Jackie Brown. I love Jackie Brown. I, I literally was just going to say the the but Inglorious Bastards for me is sure. the one that might actually. 
I feel like as objectively as I can be might give Pulp Fiction a run for its money. Well, I'm a Django I, man myself. Django's right, fa- yeah. Django's to me better than Inglorious Bastards. Okay. Django is fantastic, and that that was cultural phenomenon. Tarantino, I think that made over yeah. two hundred fifty million at the box office. I'm not, I'm like a really crazy number, mm-hmm. and then Oscars and all, yeah. everything else. And he won the Oscar for Pulp too. But but it's funny. Pulp to me is 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 a standalone piece of art. And you're right. It, that's the one that people always think about. Yeah. And the, the problem with that is it steps on Jackie Brown, which is the next one. Yeah. Because then when Jackie Brown came out, everybody was just like, Oh man, it's not like that other, what the whiz bang and all the craziness mm-hmm. and Travolta and the dancing and where's the heroin. And uh, no, it's just a fucking solid crime movie yeah. with amazing performances throughout. Yeah. And also I would love to see him after hateful eight where I saw he, he kind of looked like he gave into his, his, his impulses a little yeah. bit and indulged himself. I would love to see him adapt somebody else's work just like, cause that's a, yeah. you know, that's an Elmore Leonard yeah. rum punch and yeah. he made it into Jackie Brown and, uh, and it's, it's tight and it's, it's lean and it's awesome. And the, every performance again is f- perfect. Everybody in that movie is perfect. De Niro's it, perfect. Uh, and Pam Greer, all of them are and great. It makes you wonder cause it's a, it, he did adapt it from something else. Does he have it in him to write a Robert Forster type, uh, a Max Cherry type? When I look at the rest of his films, I don't see any character like that who is quiet and very realistic, seems like someone you could meet, um, but still is undeniably an Elmore Leonard slash Tarantino character. I I look at the rest of his filmography, and I don't see Max Cherry, and even certain aspects of the Jackie Brown character, I don't really see them anywhere else and so i feel like i would like to see him adapt somebody else's work because i think it would just bring stuff out in him well i'd like to see him adapt somebody else's work and i would like to see him come back to this century and make a crime movie like like jackie like pulp like those because he's made now he's made his war movie he's made the slave movie he's made his uh his i don't know cowboys on you know with the wide cinematography movie well, uh, he's, he's been, making his genre movies and he's been channeling spaghetti western since kill bill 2 well he always has you know? you know and and even those movies you know he made those is essential that because those yeah. are just a, a blender full of all of his influences yeah. but i would love to see him make like a just a small not, not even he can't do small but just yeah. but, but a crime movie you know a multifaceted crime movie um like again like jackie brown or or like pulp fiction just something that's now something that's in the present well you say you can't do small you look at jackie brown compared to hateful eight or django unchained or anything like that and it looks like you know uh, remains of the day compared to those. Uh, it looks like the height of subtlety. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to say he can't do small cause I don't want to doubt that he can do anything. Yeah. Um, I don't know what he's interested in doing, you know, cause he, he's made all this noise. He's gonna make two more movies and he's done, you know, he's gonna make 10 and he's finished. I, I'm sure he believes that. I think he will not be able to stop himself. He, I think he's like Scorsese in that way. Well, he's a fountain. I mean, he just, yeah. he can't turn it off. You know what I mean? That he, I mean, he, the, the, this thing, maybe instead of writing a 380 page opus script, maybe you write 420 page scripts, you know what I mean? (laughs) And and bust those out. You know what I mean? Make those work. Yeah. Um, small and lean and, and, uh, use your, you know, get your Madsen, get your Roth, get all the guys you need to get. Yeah. And, uh, and then go ahead and and call James Woods and call Val Kilmer and make it happen. (laughs) I want to see Tarantino return to episodic television because that's, we forget that he did, he did ER. Sure. He did a couple of CSI episodes and I think he did a couple of aliases as well. I know he was on alias once. I want to watch, like to me, I want to watch those, but, but why? Like, does he bring anything? He didn't write them. He just directed them. Right. Uh, So what's he going to bring to it that I'm going to go, Oh yeah, that's him. 
the um the ER one in particular does have a very Tarantino scene that's a uh, very gory surgery while the car- while the doctors are having sort of banal chit chat and the camera is just sort of floating around while it's happening. That's a very cool, okay. cool scene. I do uh and the and CSI one did uh he did the, the buried alive thing, I guess. Uh, I guess after he had already done it in Kill Bill. I'm trying to think when hmm. the CSI episode happened, but he had uh, a character buried alive. Really? And I remember on, on Alias, he must have written it because he's in it. He plays a character in Oh, the speech about the hot sauce? The hot sauce. And the, basically he tortures people like by shoving needles like under their fingernails. And I remember there, there's a line where that seems like a Tarantino line where he says, these needles are a whole lot of not fun. And, uh, but he has that whole story in that scene yeah. about the, there's this legend that there's this shack where they make the hottest, whatever. And they say the devil comes down and spits in the frying pan. Oh, that's gotta be him. That's him. Like, yeah. That's, that's very, him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, he's, I, so I'm, I'm, uh, back in school. I'm uh, going to UCLA and I'm taking a class on Alfred Hitchcock right now. And so we're talking a lot who's, about who's in that class. What was that? Who's in that class? What do you mean? Is it just you and, and you look over and there's just like a, a cosmopolitan on a, in a chair. <laughs> like who takes that class at, at UCLA? Young people who takes that? Uh, I'll say this, a surprising number. Cause I'm, you know, I'm doing like critical studies and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. media studies, a surprising number of writers, directors, producers, uh, or producing students and stuff like that. All right. Um, what? And maybe it's just you and forty birds. <laughs> <laughs> but when but when I looked back, there were only five. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> but uh, and what's interesting, and maybe it shouldn't be, but the the uh, the demographic of the class is interesting. There are fifteen students, ten of them women, and five of them men, which I wouldn't immediately associate as like a Hitchcock thing. But I don't know. Um, been 12 years since i've been to school so uh maybe things have changed um, more, mostly women in schools now <laughs> that's actually true the there, uh, there are more uh female college students than male um because uh you know uh, what the hell fuck it let's just uh, go and uh you know get welding jobs or something um apparently you don't know how badly i'm holding back from saying something that will make movie drop your show all right keep going oh boy okay okay <laughs> all right. uh, yeah all right. let's let's hold off on that <laughs> um, dumb it's it already happened once uh as a what? as a <laughs> like a year ago they um, bailed on you uh, no, no we, we got um, a complaint. We didn't From get a movie? complaint. They, no, they got a complaint. So a listener oh, okay. complained directly to movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> something yeah. he said. It uh, got political, of course. Oh, uh, well, that'll so, happen. Um, and I well, let's have, talk about Dallas then. Uh, oh. 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 The, the show? Yeah. Please? Yeah. Please. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course. No, the Buyers Club. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't necessarily want to want to. Latch on to Bone Tomahawk, but I do want to talk about it just a, a little bit more. And I don't want to get too spoilery because not a lot of people have seen it. True. And I think everybody needs to see it, provided they have a strong stomach. Because boy, oh boy! And I will tell you, you're not you are not the uh, first person who have told me. There are listeners of my podcast who then who were writing me and go, "Did you seriously Bone Tomahawk? I think you should see that." Probably. And so it was all that, and nobody yeah. so, nobody told me anything about it. And so okay. when I went to IMD and looked up, I was like, because I, I was trying to describe it to my friend, I go, yeah, have you seen Bone Tomahawk? And we have the same taste in movies. Like, yeah. I don't even know what that is. I go, well, I don't even, I can't figure it out either. Like the IMDb description makes it sound like it's a space Western or there's like spacemen or something. Yeah. Cause it's like cannibalistic, cannibals come down and, yeah. and from, and I'm like, well, I don't even know what it means. So, uh, so, but then when you see it, all is made clear. Certainly. I, I'm glad it was what it was. It, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I, I was, I, I, cause I, well, well I, but we don't want to spoil stuff. So go ahead. I, uh, you know, cause I, I work from home and I'll 
throw on movies that I or TV shows that I don't care that much about or I've seen a million times just while I'm working. And I had heard that uh, you know Bone Tomahawk was uh, pretty good, but everything about it sounded kind of pulpy and B movie to me. So I was just like, ah, what the hell? I'll just throw it on while I'm working. Everything is fine. Within ten minutes, like, all right, I'm not working for two hours. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to do this, and because you, it makes you pay attention because it, it doesn't really hit does. you over the head with a jawbone. Yeah, but <laughs> not at first. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just and even even the scenes of unspeakable violence and gore, they don't feel to me. They don't feel exploitative, um, and even when they happen to minor characters the writer is a mature enough guy that he will even allow those characters moments of real humanity so that we do feel something when these, these terrible things happen to them. It's not just a body count. It's not just, Oh, I love it so much. I can't, uh, over at more than one lesson. We're going to, uh, every, uh, October we talk about like horror movies and stuff. And while this isn't strictly speaking a horror movie, there's enough horror elements in it. And certainly, thematically like there's a certain fatalism a certain uh it's not it it seems almost cormac mccarthy-esque very much um well if you read blood meridian uh, you you're watching this movie and you're going oh okay yeah the 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 book that's basically one long sentence it's the best it's just all blood. The, i've read it five times i mean seriously it's just that thing where you're just i mean i'll, I'll read I'll, whenever i'm reading it and people will ask about it on a plane or whatever and i'm just like i go they just it's it's indescribable you have to read it yeah but i'm just going to warn you that it's it's incredibly violent and and yeah. but it is incredibly beautiful and it's 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 the apex of all writing <laughs> oh wow! Okay, That's, and you know what? I don't think you're overselling it. I'm really point. not. Like, I, I, I wish I could say that I was, but as a, a person who's who's used words for a living for quite a while, you read it and you're shamed. You're just like, <laughs> oh yeah, that dude. I don't know how you ever. And then you realize there. That's one of you know twenty that he's created out of, you know, you're just, yeah. I'm, you're dwarfed by the work of giants and just reading that book is, is enough to at least get you close enough to him to say that you understand a little of what he was doing and, and to hope that you could ever be anything like that. It's just so good. In this class, we're reading a lot of, uh, old school film criticism back when words mattered. And, uh, as I read them, I just feel like such a fraud. Oh, sure. Uh, doing this show. And I just say, I look, I read through and I think, Wow, they didn't use the word awesome once. Uh, you know. That's like when you watch the, the Ken Burns, the Civil War thing, and they're reading all those letters. And these are like yeah. guys who didn't have a middle school education right. writing poetry. Yes. It's yeah. Very moving. Yeah. We're all pretty dumb now, I guess. Oh, of course we are. Yeah. We'll talk to Moby Magooby and the Japanese Johnsons. Use that in your criticism. Go ahead and write that up. You think Roger Ebert's going to dole that out of his poison pen? I don't think not. <laughs> Pauline Kale going to come up with that? No, she's not. Oh, Pauline Kale. That's who I read this last week. And I, and I was the only person in class, aside from the professor, that was talking about how much I don't like Pauline Kale. Oh. Uh, and everyone was like, oh, she's so sassy. And it's like, yeah, because she's an asshole. Well, <laughs> uh, no, thank you, Pauline Kale. Anyway, so. But it did remind me that uh, in that movie Willow, did you ever see Willow? I have seen Willow. Okay. So there's a character named General Kale. Spelled like Pauline Kale. And then when that troll gets uh, transformed into that large beast with two heads, mm-hmm. it's called an Ebisisk. Like oh. Ebert and Siskel. Isn't that clever? No. It is not. <laughs> I agree with you. It is not. <laughs> so, uh, well, I, 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 It's on par with the rest of that movie. That was yeah. movie there are some movies 
that I liked as a kid that I just know. Uh, and that's, I know I shouldn't return to them because I did return to Willow and I was like, oh, wow. this was never good. This, yeah. <laughs> this is really, this so is grim. There are movies yeah. now like I, uh, you couldn't pay me to watch Honey, I Shrunk the Kids because as far as I'm concerned, that is a great movie for my childhood and I don't want to, to, to learn that it's dumb. It holds up, I think. I'll tell you what surprised me. I don't think Goonies holds up that oh, well. Yeah. And I grew up just revering that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch it now. And We're it's at the right age for that. Not great. I know that that's everybody's go-to. I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through. It just didn't have any appeal to me when I was a kid. Didn't, didn't care. I think I was, because I was older at that point where right, I went, right. this is a kid movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, this should say something. I just said that Goonies doesn't hold up. I do own it. Uh, yeah. Well, what don't you own? I mean, there's I, a fucking <laughs> wall of DVDs. <laughs> ridiculous. Jen came in here before this and she's like, well, you guys are going to be busy playing in here. So I'm going to take some movies to watch. And she walked out of here with two arms full. I yeah. said, how long do you think we're going to be in here? She's like Superman carrying groceries. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's see. I'm tra- okay. So, uh, are you trying to think of other movies from your childhood? <laughs> well, I'll say this, uh, something you and I have talked about some movies that have gotten exponentially better when I became an adult. One is who framed Roger rabbit. Oh, yeah, that movie a- is so much, I, there's so much more I understand about that movie now that I'm an adult. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, let's see. And then Ghostbusters has gotten so much better. Uh, I thought it was great when I was five and six and now I realize, Oh yeah, this deadpan thing. Like the fact that Peter Venkman never breaks. Nope. Ever. No. Is so amazing to me. Yeah. And it's something that just did not, the ama- the brilliance of that did not occur to me as a kid. Yeah, he he is fully committed to doing that. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite things in the entire movie, and it's, it was, a, I remember even when it happened, because I mean, I, I saw that movie when I was 17, probably, uh, and I remember thinking, I want to be like this my li- for my life. I want to be that carefree, but also that quick with everything, and just and th- that kind of laissez-faire, don't really give a fuck about anything kind of, there's a scene where she's walking with the uptight violinist mm. and she looks across the courtyard and he's skipping. He's <laughs> yeah. doing that weird skip. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's him. It, that's that character. If you were to say, yeah. and uh, that's, he's a, he's a 35 year old man skipping across the courtyard. Uh, and yeah. for, for, and again, I've done, and I've done that when I've gotten older, I've skipped through a, <laughs> through a grocery store and just to go get scr- and then skipped back to the thing just because I went, you know what? I'm going to skip right now. And, and, and just be, and you, because again, people will look at you like you're ridiculous or whatever, but it's like, do anything you want yeah. at all times and don't care. As long as you're not hurting anybody, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's how I felt about that character in that particular moment in that scene. She looks across and it's almost, it's not even skipping. It's like that curly thing where he's kind of yeah. doing one leg and, and it's, a, I, I'm putting way too much import into it, but it affected me as a kid i remember just going i want that i, I want to because he's carefree he's so carefree at everything even in the face of ghosts and and monsters yeah. he's so unflappable where he's just like he, that when they was the specter and he just like hey uh you know where, where are you from or yesterday he's like yeah. the usual stuff isn't working <laughs> i mean just just these throwaway lines and everything is so good and you know to bring it back to where this conversation sort of started um the new ghostbusters I don't think it looks very good despite being an auteurist and, and I enjoy what Paul Feig has done and I feel like it could, they could pull it out and it could actually be very good. They're not giving any indication that it's going to be good, but that's what made ghost, what made ghostbusters so good. Isn't the concept. It's these, these specific characters within that concept. And, and also 
as much respect as I have for, is it, is it Aubrey Heard? Is that uh, the blonde, the, the woman in there? It's Leslie Jones, Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, and then... Oh, it's uh, Kate, uh, McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Who's very funny. Who does a wonderful Hillary Clinton. She, well, she's so funny. Yeah. Um, and, I'm, and they're all very talented and very funny women. But they've been thrown into this movie together. Yeah. Okay. Ramis and Aykroyd and Murray had had like a 20-year base of finishing each other's sentences on yeah. improv stages and on Saturday Night Live and, 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 and those sorts of things and writing together for Lampoon. Like they, their sensibilities all meshed and they were all able to be distinctly different. That movie doesn't work if they're all given the pfft. If they're all Venkman, yeah. you know, you got Egon who plays it completely straight and he's yeah. this like nerdy guy who gets like no, he gets, you know, he's not funny on purpose. Yeah. And then you got Ackroyd who's this wide eyed child yeah, who just can't believer. wait. Yeah. And then you've got Venkman who's just, he's the audience who's just yeah. like at the sarcastic, like, wait a minute, we're going to fucking be, all right. And he's, it's a dodge and a hustle, just like fucking yeah. Peck says to him, yeah. is, to you science, or no, the guy there at the university, yeah. to you science is a dodge and a yeah. hustle. And he just makes those faces like he's, he's so wounded, but he's not at all. He's just like, oh, they found me out. What's the next grift like literally he's that guy but they they have that years of being together and blending their comedy for me and and i'm sure these women will be terrific but but those guys had just had it in their blood and and it's not going to be uh, whether that's the thing whether it's women or not the issue is that they're not going to be able to capture the tone of Ghostbusters. And it, it doesn't they, need to be exactly the same, but when you make something, it could be a reboot or whatever, you need to at least try to echo, I think, the tone. Unless you're going completely different genre, like sure. Dawn of the Dead, or something like that. Zack Snyder, again, the only one that I think I like. That's a great um, one. The only one, yeah. But uh, James Gunn, St. Louis. That's, <laughs> yeah, for, that's James, for you, David. St. Louis and James Gunn. Right <laughs> um, but yeah, it just it, it looks like it's very much just tr- it's taking funny people and then bringing in something you know as funny that's the and problem. then that's it they they've just in their haste for recognition for name recognition they're they're going to they're doing those women a disservice even in my opinion oh, by yeah. making them try to carry the weight of this previous work yeah. and you don't you didn't it's just there's a legacy involved with this and i know i sound like a fucking entitled jack off and i get that i understand it but it's just you know, I'm not one of those nerds who's like, you're ruining my childhood. You're doing the wrong things. Yeah. I just think you've saddled them with a, an obstacle that they're going to work. So they're going to, they have to work triple hard to overcome. That movie is lexicon. That movie here's, for, the, here's the thing. I think we think it is, but I think the target audience, um, doesn't have that connection. Agreed. You know what I mean? I, like I, that's whenever there's this property and the people the the nerds or the acolytes of the original, whatever, like complain a, they all go see it anyway. Yes. And B, that's not really who's movie, who the movie's made for. It's well, made for the younger people who don't. I'll tell you this story. Thing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and uh, I'll tell you this story because my, my time is over. I fully recognize that. I'll be 50 in two years, and they don't do it for me anymore. They're not looking to get me into the theater anymore. Yeah. So they're, they're making movies for the 20-year-olds and the 18-year-olds, and I, and I get that, and that's where the money is, and it makes sense. We did a, I wrote on a show called National Lampoon's Funny Money years ago, and we had to do these run-throughs. And because it was National Lampoon, I kept trying to work National Lampoon into the jokes and the, and the bits that I would write. <laughs> so I created a speed round, and it was essentially like celebrity. I play celebrity at a party where you, know, you got to keep describing stuff, and they got to guess what the person okay, is. It's, yeah. just, it's, all, it's just pyramid. So there were two like 24-year-old extras, really beautiful kids who came to help out and make 50 bucks at the run-through. So I wrote a, a category, and it was all about Animal House and, and all about Caddyshack. And we kept asking them questions in the speed round and stuff. They had no fucking idea what I was talking about. None. 
They had no touchstone to any of it. But if you talked about Van Wilder or you talked about things like that, they knew exactly what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. So I, and that was, and that's, dude, that's fucking 10 years ago. So, I mean, that's, my time was over then. Now I, I recognize, so you're absolutely right. This new Ghostbusters, it's not for me, which is why I don't get upset about it. I just, I think they've done themselves wrong by making, putting all of the yoke of responsibility on, on these actors and the, and the, and Paul Feig to recreate something that is so special to so many other people. Yeah. So I think you've done a disservice to them because it makes them have to work that much harder. And I hope they don't look at it like that. I hope they just made the best movie that they possibly could and try to be as funny as they could. But I think the issue is regardless of what audience they're going for, the first Ghostbusters was not yet a brand. This is, which means the studio is going to be a lot more involved, which is why I think the jokes are so much more generic. Um, based on the in that, based on the trailer, based on a couple of trailers, okay. uh, not that that means much, but at the same time, if these are the jokes that they are trying to use to sell the movie, and maybe they're using the broader jokes to get a broader audience in, and once you get in there, it will be kind of that laconic. They'll come tone, out, yeah, you know, yeah. That's maybe kind of what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. But at the I same have to time, see it, right? I have to. You yeah. gotta. You just gotta. You don't have to. We do. We do a movie podcast. No, I gotta. We don't fucking need to see it. Lethal Weapon because nobody gives a shit anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, your time has passed, Mike. Is what I'm saying. You want a uh, shot at the title? <laughs> I think that um, might be a good place to wrap things up before uh, Mike punches both our sure. faces in. Well, before uh, before you wrap it up, let me say one more thing. Bill Murray, the king of the throwaway, the greatest. Uh, you know, again, I, I Rushmore, the greatest. How are Ronnie and Donnie enjoying medical school, uh, military school? They love it. It's the, it's the best line <laughs> in the movie. Um, Jason Bateman, almost as good. I watched Bad Words. Oh, okay. Oh, my Christ. Have you seen it? No, I've not. You must. He directed it, too, as well. You must. (laughs) He, because he's, I mean, Arrested Development, he's just that guy. He's so brilliant. Jason Bateman is brilliant. But yes, he directed that movie. I don't know if he wrote it, too. You have to see Bad Words. You have to. I watched, it was one of those things where it was just, my girl and I, she's like, you know, you show me movies you've seen. Let's watch something neither of us has seen. Yeah. So I found that. I'm like, all right, well, let's watch that. It's supposed to be funny. It's hysterical. Hmm. And he's so good in it. He's so good. And also St. Vincent, by the way, Bill Murray and, uh, and Melissa McCarthy, since we're talking about them and Ghostbusters, see St. Vincent if you haven't seen St. it. St. Vincent is so much better than I thought it was Oh my God, be. it's great. It's um, so great. I thought it was just okay. Yeah? Well, that's the thing. Yeah. It's better than I thought it was going to be. Okay. It actually was a fe- it, like It looked really treacly and really uh, uh, sentimental. And it is. But again, you have good performers in there yes. doing good work. Yeah. Um, I will say, if we, since we're talking about Bill Murray... Not enough people have seen Kingpin. Oh. Kingpin is so wonderful. Really? I thought every, everyone I knew as a kid saw yeah. Kingpin. I talked to people about, I talked to people even our age about Kingpin, and it just didn't, it's just yeah. not on their radar. He's phenomenal in it. They're all phenomenal. They're all fun. But he. Take that, you freaky piece of shit. <laughs> you never mow another guy's lawn. God damn it. And just, his hair is a character in and of itself. Yes. Um, Big Earn. <laughs> yeah. Big Earn McCracken. Yeah. Uh, uh, and now he's apparently in the uh, the pilot, at least, of this new HBO comedy, Vice Principals. Yeah, uh, with uh, Danny McBride and, and um, Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins. Yeah. He's, I think he, I think it's one of those things where he's just in the first episode because yeah. he's a retiring principal. And um, but yeah, that that promo is very funny. He's funny. Bill Murray can be funny just standing there. That's pretty much all he has to yeah. do is stand well, there. There's that scene from when, uh, did you ever see that little, that kid who was working on one of the Wes Anderson films and he asked him, hey, can me and my friends walk down a hallway with you in slow yeah. motion? And he said, yeah. And he filmed it and then the kid uh-huh. released. I mean, that's just, and you're just yeah. like, yeah, because that's who he is. John Goodman was on Howard Stern and he's telling Bill Murray stories just about, because he's that guy. He can, he can walk in and he can yeah. kiss somebody on the forehead and then he can eat off somebody's plate and then he can drink a beer and disappear. He's like an imp. He is, he's one of these people. <laughs> He's one of these people that, um, this is something that my friend and I have uh, been talking about. 
lately as as people like a David Bowie or a Prince die, there's going to be a time when Bill Murray dies. That seems... It's not even funny. And it's more... And like, Nicholson is effectively retired. He's getting older. He's going to be gone soon, as will Gene Hackman, Robert Duvall, De Niro, all these guys. And they're old, dude. It's a thing. Duvall might outlive all of us. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Because I think he's made of granite. Absolutely. But... It's, and that is very depressing to me. You know, Spielberg is going to go, uh, Scorsese, all these guys. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be very sad. But there is something about not. I think when a comedy person dies, it just seems wrong. It seems objectively wrong. But then also when it's somebody like Bill Murray who can play drama and yes. can do, and can really emote and do some really great things. But there's just something about the Peter Venkman persona that he is able that he was kind of able to bring on himself as well um it's he's he's a force of nature he's a force of nature he's He's not an an actor he's he's everlasting yes he should be (laughs) yeah and and i i would have faith in the universe if there somehow was you know because even if they even said to me if you could grant everlasting life to yourself would you i'd say give that to bill murray (laughs) just just for future generations benefit because think about it how many other especially comedically how many other uh comedic entities of the eighties are still around and people still know them and love them. Yeah. I mean, even ghostbusters, Dan Aykroyd's not what he was anymore. Right. People like I'm, I'm a huge fan of Kevin Klein in you know, fish called Wanda. He's not, he became respectable. And even then he's oh, not really he's acting. Soap dish. If we're talking about movies, nobody's yeah. seen. Oh my God. Soap dish. I haven't seen that in many years. Good Christ. It's so good. He's but, perfect. And there's a, that scene at the end where he doesn't have the glasses and he has to read the cue cards. I can't even spoiler alert. Oh my God. And I don't remember. I watched it with my mom on it's video. At really the time. good. And, um, uh, but, but yeah, Bill Murray, he, he, he had the taste that his, uh, his fellow peers did not have. Mm-hmm. He was willing to go and do a small role in Ed Wood. He, he yeah. went and did these small things and he had interests beyond making a wacky comedy with Chevy Chase. I mean, he, he, his pursuits led him other places and, his instincts and his talent allowed him to, to be everlasting as we've talked about. I mean, he's made drama or he's made comedy or he's done a bit part or he's been in a movie for five minutes and he's been in a movie for an hour and a half. And you, you know, when he made Charlie's angels, he did Garfield, that Garfield story is hysterical where he just shows up and, and, and like he, he didn't, he thought it was the Coen brothers. Cause hmm. one of the writers is named yes. Cohen. So he genuinely thought it was them and he shows up for work and it's this Garfield cartoon movie and he's just like, all right, well fuck it. And he just kind of redoes the whole thing. Yeah. And they've already got the animation done and he's just like, well, I, you know, and he does his own, they, they just, yeah. because he doesn't care. And John Goodman said, I've never seen anyone in, in, in my, tr- in any of my life that is more comfortable being who they are than Bill Murray, comfortable That's- being in his skin and knowing, knowing, being all no, self-knowing about what he effect he has on rooms and people and things and, but also not being affected by it and not yeah. using his powers for evil, you know, just it's, you hear those stories and you see him and you just, you just marvel. He's, he's astonishing. We, uh, my wife and I know somebody in Chicago who was his caddy once, and I guess they got along because anytime he's in Chicago, they'll hang out. <laughs> yeah. That's astonishing to me. Uh-huh. And I feel 
I feel resentful of this person. I want to like kill them and wear their skin. <laughs> but he'll he would he could tell for a number of reasons. I'm probably sure he be able could to tell. tell. Yeah, um, but he wouldn't he wouldn't betray it until the end of the night. He'd give you a day. Yeah, he'd give you a full night to see if you pulled it off. And then at the end, he'd be like, nah, "Sorry," or "Yeah, I'm back." You know, but you got to keep the skin. There's an element to him. I think. Uh, sorry, I know we need to we need to end, but uh, I was thinking of him in Zombieland. Yeah, oh God. In which he's wonderful, but you forget the thing that gets me. My favorite moment, and it's you know it's meant to be uh, funny, is someone's he gets shot, and, and and someone says, "Do you do you think you might you can make it?" And he just like very quietly just looks at Jesse Eisenberg, long pause, and says, no, <laughs> and just like so deadpan. And I realize like that's like an that's because I'm a big fan of silent comedy. That's almost like Buster Keaton level, yeah. just knowing how long to draw out silence, mm-hmm. having a deadpan expression, and then just very quietly saying this thing. It's, do you yeah. know that story of how he ended up in that movie? No. Is that it was in the script. I want to say it was Patrick Swayze hmm. and it was, at, and Patrick Swayze was going to do it. And it was at the time he was oh. sick late in his life. And like sort of last minute, he couldn't do it. He was too sick to do it. And Woody Harrelson called up Bill Murray, like, essentially like days beforehand and he came out and like did a day on the wow. movie and yeah, it was all, that's sort of so great. Minute. That's awesome. All right. This is a good place to wrap up. I want to mention to listeners real quick, if you're going to be at Comic-Con, Tyler and I will be at Comic-Cons. Come hang out with us Thursday, 8 to 10 p.m. at the Bootlegger. Uh, that's a bar and uh, and grill. Uh, terrific beer, terrific food uh, in the Gaslamp District. 8 to 10 p.m. Thursday. Um, you should be able to have uh, some free drinks between 8 to 10 p.m. We're still kind of hammering that out, whether we can cover that. But uh, come by nonetheless. Uh, other than that, find us at battleshipretention.com. Email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com or follow us on Twitter. I'm at uh, Davey Pretension. Tyler's at Tyler Pretension. Um, real quick, more than one lesson? What's going on? Uh, we have the most recent episode is two and a half hours in which we go through that uh, listener-generated top 50. And uh, it's that top 10 is very interesting. So All right. give it a um, My other show for the time being is a TV podcast that I called Hey, Watch This with Paul and David that I do with the king of TV, Paul Goebel. Uh, this week we are talking about uh, Check It Out with Steve Brule, and we're talking about the Great British Baking Show. So check that out at BattleshipRetention.com. Um, and uh, oh. Mike, where can people find you uh, at, and your thoughts on the Great British Baking they Show? Can, they can find me watching the Great British Baking Show wherever <laughs> it's airing. I can tell you that. Have you watched mm-hmm. that? I love it. It's fantastic. I, it's not, unfortunately, it's not on here on PBS. So I've, I've watched. <laughs> it's well, it's on, back now. They're doing an, a season on PBS right now. But I have direct TV and my PBS for some reason does not okay. have it. Okay. And it, it is infuriating. Believe me. Um, I've watched cause I've, I've been able to see one whole season because, um, I'd be at my girl's house and it was on Netflix. Okay. And so I watched one or no, it was on her PBS. I apologize because then I found out that on with Roku, you can get YouTube. So I tried to watch episodes on there, but then it was like, I would pause it and would go back to the beginning and infuri- infuriating. Don't get me started on Roku's remote. Um, but yeah, I love it. It is truly, it is the best. It is the greatest, uh, cooking show that there is, uh, you know, chopped is chopped, but I mean, the great British baking show, cause everybody's so gentle and nice, yes. but also they devote enough time to the baking and the, and the creating of the food. Cause that's all I care about. I don't give a fuck about lot cause they tried to do it in America. They did yeah. the American version last winter and anytime well, they, they tried to do an American version before that I hadn't seen, they called it the great holiday. They baking did a show. shorter American version. That was only like four episodes. Oh, it was terrible. It was Nia Vardalos and her husband and making I bad like jokes and just, no, yeah. Christ. but no, it wasn't nearly as good. Um, I forgot you're a chopped fan. Love it. Uh, do you still love it? Because I find that 
I feel like Chopped has fallen off considerably. Well, all I want to watch is them cook. I'm, I'm, I don't care about personalities. I don't care. And I hate Alex Cornishelli. I don't like Scott Conan. I don't care for any of the judges except for... Uh, uh, Jeffrey Zakari. No, no, no. The blonde. Uh, Andrea? Um, what the hell's her name? I can't remember. Uh, I would know. Then would... you said Andrea. And no. I, uh, uh, I can... Uh, she's the uh, best. Amanda Freitag. Yes. The yes. greatest. She, she should ever. Great. Yeah. She's so perfect. Um, but I'd see, I, I can see why you like it. And I, and I feel, cause I just, off. I literally fast forward through everything till the cooking. And then I, I like I'll watch judges. The ju- yeah. And as the seasons have gone on, there's been less and less judging. No, they're, they're just smarmy pricks at this point. I mean, literally, I don't even know how Alex Guarnaschelli has any chance to cook anything when she's not in the iron chef kitchen or the other nine shows. They just <laughs> trot those people out. They're just, they're just, house negroes now for the food channel i mean they're not even making any interesting food anymore they're just showing up and judging and then talking and yelling and i mean what i just it's terrible quite um, frankly where can people find more insights like that you know <laughs> <laughs> you guys can get me at mike at mike schmidt if you want to write a, a an email the 40 year old boy podcast airs uh, every week it's in itunes you can find it under you know 40 year old boy or search my name mike schmidt um you can go to facebook.com slash the 40 year old boy twitter.com slash the 40 year old boy and i will plug a live show when is this going up uh, Sunday. All right, cool. Uh, Monday, July 18th, and I will plug this. It's a show called 202020. It's three comics doing 20 minutes each. It's at the three clubs on Vine at Santa Monica in uh, Los Angeles, California. And the main reason I'm plugging it, look, I'm going to be there and nobody cares, but very funny Kate Willett is going to be there. But you already mentioned our good friend Paul Goble. Paul Goble will be there doing a set. Mm. So it'll be me, Paul Goble, and Kate Willett, three comics doing 20 minutes each, 202020 at the three clubs on Vine at Santa Monica. That's Friday, July 18th. 40 year old boy podcast uh, is all always airing every week go to itunes and find it go to mike schmidt for any and all information go to our joe business pages all sorts of cool things thank you guys for having me you were so nice to ask me this was a blast absolutely thank you at home for listening we'll get you next time bye bye This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 